Good morning, everyone. Oh, that's it. Good morning, Mike. How are you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, did you use a little bit more after a good morning? I, I should probably use a little bit more than good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Explicit <laughs> Measures podcast Tom, with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. I've been doing so good on the intros, and all of a sudden, just <laughs> it just fell out. <laughs> Can't win them all. Can't win them all. You know, Tom, Tommy was buttoning his shirt. It distracted me. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> We're still getting ready for the morning. <laughs> yeah, I need a little bit more coffee. Good. Oh, that's funny. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, how are things morning. going? Uh, any good? Any good intros? Uh, conversational pieces today? I think I noticed yesterday there was a late tweet that I picked up where they just released the roadmap for 2022. Yeah. Yes. I didn't get time to dig into it. There's a couple. There's a couple items in there that are worth yeah. noting. I I do see a a natural language DAX release. Oh boy! In two yeah. months. Yeah. I'm a little. Two I'm, months. I'm gonna hold my breath here on this one. March. March or April. I'm I'm see. gonna probably say April. Think, I'm guessing it's ironic, gonna be delayed. They're all delayed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had a thought this morning because I'm really looking forward to that feature. But you're really you're you're playing you're playing with fire when you are releasing that in April. Just telling you, right? Because mm -hmm. it better not be the the April Fool's joke. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! A oh, oh, full right. year April Fool's. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's that's a good one. <laughs> so we'll see. Man. I think we could talk more about that on Tuesday after we digest it a little bit. But if uh, listeners are listening today, right, it's a, a good vision into the, what what releases are coming when. Uh, there's a yes. some preview things that they embed into there. Yep. Uh, so if you're if you're keen on new features that are coming in, it's a great place to get I'll, a head start. I'll try and snag the link here and drop that into the chat window. And then uh, that way people can those. see it. There's a couple. Yeah, there's a couple of interesting ones that are out there um, that are, I think, very fairly relevant. Oh, the big news is something that we didn't know. We're goofballs. We should talk about this right away. Tommy did a great presentation on Tuesday around uh, using goals, goals in Power BI. We would be remiss if we didn't while, while on the podcast, while in the the session, we start talking about well. Is it premium only? Let's go look at premium. And so here we yeah. are. And so someone on the chat is like, hey, I just went into my pro account and I was like, hey, I just made a goal without being in premium. And we're like, wait a minute, what? We thought all, all, yeah. we thought all goals was premium. Then Seth goes out and scours some documentation. He goes, yeah, it seems like there's some conflicting information. There's two websites for it. One says pro only. The other says pro with a mandatory premium. And we're like, wait, what gives? So I actually went out yesterday and, and talked to the program manager for that at Microsoft. I was like, dude, what gives? Is this a pro feature? He goes, yes. As of Ignite, it was a pro only feature. As of Ignite? As of Ignite. I didn't even know. I'm looking. Wow, I was like, where's no. the blog so, for this? So, so we, we, yeah. just, we caught something before the blog came out. And we were just testing it. It happened to be testing it. So it happened around Ignite time frame. Apparently, it was going to be released. The bits got released faster than they could get the blog out, apparently. And so now it's officially a pro only feature. So you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, nice job. That's we stumbled into yeah. a new feature. <laughs> we are the first ones to update for one. <laughs> so the, the, the weird thing about that was, right, goals, they had already updated the documentation to say pro. Yes. But where do you use goals? It's in scorecards. Yes. Right. So when we right. looked at scorecards, it's like, Said, this is a premium, premium only feature. feature. I'm like, well, how right. can that be? We're so <laughs> confused. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
So that, well, that's that cool. Sounds well, like thanks our, for sorting that, that out sounds officially. Like our draft. Like I can use apps, but I don't have a workspace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now there's yeah, there's Ow. no reason now not to try goals, and they keep coming out. They are gonna. Mm. Well, there are a few things on the roadmap too. So. Treb from uh, another MVP, Treb yeah. from Marquee Insights, uh, was actually on the call with us afterwards, the after hours kind of piece of this. And Treb gave us kind of a, just a little a teaser of something that he's working on with many of his clients. He works apparently with a lot of large healthcare companies, and you know goals may work out well for them. And as large healthcare companies, you have a lot of um, people to manage, you know, regions, locations, whatever you want to. You know, they're big companies. And they're uh, very interested in goals. And this is, okay, after Tommy's presentation, after seeing some real examples, I'm really thinking, okay, where can I apply these? How can I remove? And what Treb was explaining was he's removing this concept of every week I do a PowerPoint slide. That PowerPoint slide kind of shows you some key indicators about what your team is trying to deliver. So his, he's encouraging these companies. And at the executive level, they love goals because they can go to this one page and they can have comments and you can check in things and you can check in data points and you can track things by quarter you know what is your financial goals per quarter what is your people goals what is your project goals and kind of track everything around a centralized place so i've got to put some more thought into this this is you know 2022 a lot of companies are just starting this up i think it's very timely that goals are in pro and oh yeah uh, greg is noting here okrs i didn't know what this was and I'm not going to attempt to understand the acronym for that. Uh, but go Google OKR metrics. Objective and key results. Key results. There you go. So OKRs are a method by which you can track uh, your progress. Are you tracking towards what you want to be delivering on? So really good conversation. If you missed out on Tuesday's uh, Power BI user group, go ahead, hit it up on YouTube. Uh, I'll actually go try and grab the link here in a little bit and we'll put it in the chat as well, just in case you weren't there, but I'm pretty sure all the guys <laughs> who are here in the chat now were actually there on yeah. Tuesday night. <laughs> uh, all three Greg, of you, thank you very yeah. much. So Greg did ask, did OKRs drive goals in Power BI? I'm not sure. I don't know if Microsoft planned it around um, OKRs, but I love the alignment of it. I, I think if you have not read Measure What Matters, and it's just be, it, um, by the guy who was a venture capitalist in Google. He worked at Dell back when. Like, not Dell. Micro, uh, it, was, it was another one. Not Adele. No, no, not no. Adele. He didn't work at Dell. He worked at another company. It wasn't Dell. It was like Intel or something like that. No, it was Dell. You sure? Oh, no, it was Intel. I think, I, I think yeah, it was yeah, something it was else. Intel. We'll get one <laughs> of them. Let's talk about the no named guy <laughs> that we can't remember. <laughs> I thought, I think it was McDonald's. No. Well, maybe later. I haven't got there yet. So, <laughs> doesn't he make hamburgers? But anyways, the idea. I'm reading the book and I'm like getting inspired because like, oh, you know, how could you apply this in different ways? And then just kind of line that with goals. I I just had a scoping call with a client yesterday that, um, they're going through all these metrics, and I said, and we just started talking about goals. But then I showed them the scorecard. It wasn't like, here, you need, we need to fit everything you're doing based on the technical you know, uh, features available. Mm -hmm. We said, okay, well, how can we align this? And I said, here's a good example. And I showed them just an example scorecard. Because I think it's like, this could be a starting point. Because it was marketing, and they had like 25 metrics. I was like, all right, we're going we're gonna to dial that back a little. Yeah. Let's pick, yeah. Let's pick five. <laughs> yeah. So. Cool. Um, and that was another point that I think someone brought up in the... Sorry, and this is another good point here. 
for goals, it's very easy to mock up a scorecard because you mm -hmm. can you don't have to bind data to an actual report yet. So you can kind of scrub out, meaning like I can make a higher level goal and then I can make sub goals to that event. And then you can kind of say, okay, well, we think our goal should be this. And you can kind of mock up some data so you can kind of see what it looks like representatively and then show that to someone and say, okay, here we go at a high level. In a couple of minutes, I'm able to, you know, add a couple of things here. Um, and then you can start seeding goals. My my biggest downfall here, it really goes back to... Which is mine too. This, I already know what it is. You, you, Tommy knows where I'm going with this one. And Seth knows it too because I was chatting with Seth while Tommy's talking. I'm like, man, there's a lot of clicking going on here. There's so many clicks to get a goal uh, going. Yeah. So so my thing was like, I would. Re it looks like a table realistically, right? You have a goal. I have some numbers. I have like a the, the, the goal range kind of stuff. It'd be really nice to have like a template or some kind of you know, load from Excel thing where copy I could paste or copy something. anything yeah. like, so I feel like you, I feel like, I mean, and Trev was saying the same thing in, in his example, right? He was doing a lot of quarter one goals that they were going to track. And then you would be like, well, I need to make all the same goals for quarter two, just change the name. So um, yeah. that was another kind of like, oh, we're getting close. But so keep your eyes on it. I think there's going to be some more changes. My, my understanding is Microsoft's investing a lot in the goals thing. I think people are enjoying them. Uh, so I'm going to have to, you know, eat my words and get on the bandwagon here and start uh, oh, making some goals. I love, I love those phrases coming out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, well done, well done, well hey, done, Tommy. Well converted, done. Hey, converted Michael, hey, brought him onto the bandwagon. Well, I mean, it was an enhancement. I mean, they've been enhancing it too, Mama. as well as Tommy's done a great presentation on it. It was kind of a lot of things. Everything I, I shared was already available. I'll, I'm going to give Tommy like 80% <laughs> credit here. I mean, Microsoft did make the tool and is making it better. As well as they're making deployment pipelines better. There was an announcement too recently around I know. making that better too. So I'm, I'm that's you're up in February. I know. I, I, I got to get my deployment pipeline stuff figured out here pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> what am I, I going to present PowerPoint. on? Awesome. So let's transition over to um, the actual topic of the day. Uh, today's topic is going to be around, uh, we're going to talk about a feature today. And this is a feature that I, uh, let's say, well, I'll be talking here a little bit about um, potentially with the deployment pipelines because this is something that goes along with this. But today's topic is really going to be around incremental refresh. And this is a feature that it's been out for quite a while, but I don't think I've ever taken a deep dive on how to get incremental refresh working until I had a model that was just angry at me and it was just going to fight me tooth and nail to get refreshed. And so I needed to employ incremental refresh on it. And I took a deep dive on it, figuring out how it works. What is happening in the server side? So um, let's just let's just start with a what is it? Where what is incremental refresh? And Tommy and Seth, do you guys use it? I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it over here to Seth. I usually start with Tommy because you know I read left to right, and Tommy's in the middle and he's next to me. So I'm gonna start with Seth today. Oh, so changed. so Seth, um, maybe just give us a quick overview of what is incremental refresh and do you use it? Yeah, in in general. Incremental refresh is a feature that allows us to speed up our, our refresh of certain tables within our, our model, right? So if we look at fact tables, which is predominantly the really large ones, typically it takes a really long time to load all of that data that you want to pull into the model from an import perspective. So incremental refresh allows us to segment out uh, by certain time ranges and these are called partitions, uh, a, the fact table 
so that when we load it, we have to do it once, but your incremental refresh policy dictates when the model refreshes again, it'll only refresh that time window that you want to add the data into the, the model. So you have one time loaded data from a historical perspective, and then incrementally you can add in data on a daily basis or you know whatever time range you've set in that incremental refresh, yes. thereby really speeding up the refresh time as well as creating less of an impact on your source systems because you're not extracting all the data all the time. And that's that's huge when you start getting into many models and larger models for capacity on any of your premium stuff. So if you have premium, you don't want this thing hauling for hours and hours and hours to load massive tables. You want to kind of just load the changed or the new data into your data model. Yeah, and there's also, uh, so yes, I use it all the time. The vast majority of our yep. models have yep. incremental refresh, uh, at least on one table, if not multiple. The the key there is also refresh time, right? If yes, try true. Pull yes. hundreds of millions of records every time you're refreshing the model because you want it imported yes. um, for performance reasons, and you have SLAs around data freshness for customers and things like that, it's really it's really the time of this that that is the value in incremental refresh because you speed through that refresh faster. I would totally agree with that. Totally agree. So you use it a lot of time. You have a lot of models that are using this one. Um, Tommy, how about you? Are, do you have a lot of models that are running incremental refresh? Is Would you add anything to the definition that you felt? Yeah. No, I think I'm, I'm glad Seth brought it because we, we are, we're starting to use it, but we don't use it for every report like it's not part okay. of like the required process yep yep just and and that i'll that's that's where i have a bunch of questions on for you guys too on the scenarios that this plays out because we've also seen at least i've seen that incremental refresh fits a few scenarios or um it, there are scenarios that have that work with it that make it in a sense play nice it's not yep. one size fits all Correct. Um, and and I, I I know that because like the first report that I, I or the first time that incremental refresh came out, I was like, oh great, I want to do this to my most used report, which then I then broke the report. And I guess it was also when it came out, but still the value of that. And then I mean, part of this too is hybrid tables, right? Because that's a new I, thing. I've, yeah, but it, it's it's yep. kind of tied on to incremental refresh. Yeah, we should also talk um, about what hybrid tables do and why they're. Why they're there and what they're trying to achieve. Um, I've I've done a, again. I've done a little bit of work around how to make a. So before hybrid tables were an actual feature, I was making my own hybrid tables using incremental refresh. And even still, I think I have a solution now where um, the incur the hybrid table portion. Well, so, so let's explain hybrid tables. People who don't haven't heard this one. This is a very new feature that just came out. A hybrid table does kind of three things. You have an import section. So let's think about um, your data. So I'm going to try and explain some of the nitty gritties of incremental refresh here. When you load your data, there is an incremental refresh policy you can apply to your data set. When you set up the policy, and I think there's some confusion about what this does, and I want to explain this because I've seen some chat comments around this uh, or other people on Twitter and stuff asking these kind of questions. You can set up how long do you want your data to be re refreshed for? So let's say I'm interested in the last three months of data. You can actually say, keep my data imported or import the information for the last three months. What happens is 
Microsoft is able to identify three months is the time is the total time period that you're interested in collecting information. So what it will do is it'll make a single what we're going to call partitions. So if you think about a data table, you can actually partition things by the day if there's like a date column. And in incremental refresh, you're actually using a date time column to do the partitioning. So if I have a three month window where I want the data to be fresh, Microsoft will make, and this is the, the beauty of this, you could do partitions manually. You can write a partition schema uh, with, a, with a, a function and you can trigger the model to do it automatically by yourself. You can make up some weird partitions. You can name them whenever you want. But the interesting part here is Microsoft will handle this automatically using Power BI Desktop. They just automatically figure out what the incremental policy will look like. So each month, and it'll be dated by year, quarter, month, because you could actually go by, I want the last 10 quarters, I want the last five years, whatever the increment is, there's a, a naming schema that follows that. And then when you're in the certain month, in the last month, right? So let's say we're in the month of January, like we are now, January is not complete. So we have days of, of January that's not complete. So it's not refreshing the entire partition for January. Instead, in the month of January, it'll break down everything by day. So the, the basically the smallest granular piece that you find in incremental refresh is a daily refresh. So three months of three months of total information, the partitions for December and November of last year will be a full partition, it'll be one file, but the partitions for January will be by day. And then there's another portion of this of the, a incremental refresh that says, how many days historically do you want to automatically refresh? So this is a, what I would, my example here, when I talk to clients about this, it's like a snake eating time, right? So the snake eats another block of time at the beginning, and then it adds another uh, chunk of data to the partition. And it adds, it adds one more day, and it'll eat that information. So if you set the uh, refreshing of, or the, the refresh policy to say, I only want to grab the latest one day. What it will do is when the refresh happens, it'll grab uh, one full day of data and then it'll update it in the partition schema or it'll add a new one if you have it refreshing during during the day as well. So um, technically, if you turn on the option called only refresh full days, it'll only refresh yesterday. If you uncheck that option, it'll then refresh today's data and the full partition for yesterday. And then you can increase that number. So I could say always refresh the last three or five days. So thinking further here with this, if I have data in my source system, that's kind of, you know, we, we have data coming into our, our data system. And let's say the last two or three days, records are constantly updating. Maybe there's a little bit of, uh, the data is not stable yet, right? You need a couple days for all the information to kind of settle into the tables. That's what this longer range of time. So you can always refresh the last seven days. And then when you move to tomorrow, you'll still refresh the last seven days, but that one day at the end of that snake essentially gets hardened and it doesn't change now anymore. Does that, does that make sense? What I have explained that there's the yeah. kind of the two pieces out there. Mm -hmm. and I think, why is this game changing? Why is this game changing? I don't, I don't know if people understand, but mm. power BI is like a bull in a China shop. To data sources like if you yes if you just handle a, if you just point. go default right and you click refresh have a scheduled refresh on a model mm -hmm. you are hammering source systems like power bi is just like open the floodgate <laughs> and pull as much data out as possible because it's going to execute all of your queries at the same time 
the only way around that is by setting the properties right to execute those sequentially where it's only going to like refresh each one of those power query connections one at a time which is a little less abusive on your source system but especially when you're talking about refreshing at a fast cadence like every 30 minutes or large volumes of data that's why this incremental refresh is game changing because you are you're not abusing the systems behind the scenes as well as getting fresh data in a, in a faster time all right these exactly right and so um i want to i want to kind of pause that thought here just for a second i want to go to the chat here there's a couple of questions that are kind of coming in um so one of them is how do you see the partitions so someone's asking about that sql server management studio ssms mark uh for for you asking what that means ssms is sql server management studio oh thank you joe for catching that one um sql server management studio is a sql tool it's free to download you have to get the latest version for it to work if you're on premium meaning you have the XMLA endpoint. So let's talk about where premium lives and, and where incremental refresh works. You can use incremental refresh, I think chat, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe on pro and premium. On pro, but for incremental refresh, it will, all the features work, but the downside is you can't see the partitions and you can't kind of go poke at the partitioning pieces behind the scenes, right? So you can do it, but you just kind of have to know it's handling what it should be handling, okay? On premium, you have the XMLA endpoint. And for the XMLA endpoint, you're able to go into SQL Server Management Studio. You can enter the Power BI URL, securely connect to that data model, open it up, and on a table-by-table -table basis, you can look at the partitions that are inside that table. <clears throat> and so this is how I learned how to, you know, what does the policy, what is the refresh policy we put in Power BI, and how does that reflect what is actually created at the back end inside the tables. So there's, you have to kind of like turn it on and then go watch what it does. And then, oh, I see how it's building the schema. It makes sense now. So you, you can play around with that. Um, so I would highly recommend if you have premium, turn on incremental refresh for a table, set up a policy. Um, and there's actually really good documentation. I don't know, Tommy or Seth, would you mind going to snag the, um, the URL for how to set up incremental refresh? There is a little bit of a trickiness that you want to do with incremental refresh. Um, it's not about the cell. That's Alex Powers. Alex, um, I believe Alex is uh, a big fan of the M language, but um, in order for you, oh, there, there, Tommy, there, thank you very much. Um, in order for you to use incremental refresh, and and Alex Powers will love this one because you have to be able to have a data query source that folds. You need to have query folding. So I can't do incremental refresh on an Excel document. I can't I can't query fold. A, a statement back to the source of Excel to get just the latest changed records. That doesn't work. SQL Server is one of those items that does have um, incremental refresh. And so I'll also note here too, if you add a ton of Power Query steps, you potentially could break your query folding. And if you break your query folding, incremental refresh will not be able to go back to the source system and load all the information that you need. You, you is, need to have that, that working. Is that a hard block or is it just like, yes. if you, if it doesn't fold, it will not incremental refresh. Uh, so I was working with a, a data source. Uh, well, I'll, I was working with Google cloud platform and we had a custom query inside the, uh, a custom query that was inside the initial call to go to Google and to get the data from the table. And 
it was not foldable because I had the SQL query in there. And so what was happening, it was loading the entire table and then applying the incremental refresh onto that after I had loaded the entire yeah. table. <laughs> not helpful, right? So, yeah. so, so don't get me wrong. Like, and, and I think the distinction, Alex points out my distinction. You can, but whether or not it's going to work is... <laughs> true, true. Yes, yes. You right. may, in my it's case, I was loading air. like millions of records and then, right. then cutting it down and okay. then dropping that little portion into a... So yes, it technically works, but it makes no sense for you to query the entirety I, of the table. I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. I was just I was being that you know one percent guy that's like, hey, I I did I set up incremental refresh on a hundred rows and it worked. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. I I think I want to like I I want to make a point to what Mike described before though. It works in these different licenses, but anything at scale. I I would I wouldn't I wouldn't want to work with incremental refresh without the advanced incremental refresh like where I can go connect to because yes. the power for me when I use incremental refresh is being able to connect to that model and refresh partitions. Okay, so that's an, uh, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, on my own, right? So, so explain if that. What, what Pro, is that? Yeah, yeah, explain that. So so in Pro, essentially what you you would do is you could set up incremental refresh on the model, you could deploy it and then it's a black box. Right? You don't know what's going on behind the scenes because you don't have access to the model. So in premium, because you have that connection through Management Studio, and it behaves just like you would have an Azure Analysis Services server, right? Yep. Because that's what it is. They give you access to the back end of the table that you have set up for incremental refresh and everything else in the model, which is amazing. When you have to or want to, only refresh one of the partitions, you can go do that manually in SSMS, right? So in many cases for for us, for example, if you're if you schedule incremental refresh and you're ingesting a bunch of data daily, yes, and your refresh window is today or the last two days, but somewhere in the line, like four or five days ago, you didn't realize that the source data Broke. got messed up somehow. Yep. You go fix that. If you don't have the advanced, the premium, right, yep. where you can go touch the the model and, and go back, you'd have to reload the entire yes. model again yep. versus me who just has to go through SSMS, go to that partition and refresh the day again and yes. repair the data. Yes. It's a, it, and I think if you're going to go at scale, I would highly recommend that you do that in the premium realm yep. because having that access to the XMLA model behind the scenes uh, uh, like allows you to manage that model so much better. So it's, it's a fantastic feature, but to fully get the benefits, I think premium is something I would definitely recommend because we use yeah. the back end of that all the yes. time. And that's yes. a great point because I think a lot of companies have change management after the fact, especially with the same oh, oh, yeah. So, you know, it, mm -hmm. it, that's just part of, it's part it's of the It's going to be part of the problem. Yep. Yeah. So, and because especially when you set up incremental refresh, the first, the initial load takes a long time. Yes. So if you are trying, if you are working constantly on this, it's, it's one of those that once you do set it up or when you are going to set it up, make sure that you have all the edits that you need to go because, um, again, like that first load will take 
a very long time. Like, Correct. It's, it, yeah. And there's so, there's tricks too. So like, right. so let, let me explain what happens when you do this. So there's a, something I had to learn, and you guys confirm with me if you this is your discovery as well. If you have a Power BI data model locally where you have set one or two tables up to do incremental refresh, the first time you publish the report to the service, it's not actually making the partitions. It doesn't make anything for you. So what happens is, I think, and this is my observation, it is when you first publish those data set to the service, if you go right away into SSMS and look at the partitions for those tables, you'll see there's one partition and it's named funny. It's some kind of weirdo GUID name because what you've done is you've taken a local model that from your desktop, your desktop locally does not make partitions. When you're working on that data locally on Power BI desktop, it's just one normal partition like you'd normally import a table, clean and done. Then only and only when you hit refresh in the service, the first time you refresh this data set, and this is something that's confusing for clients when I walk them through this. The first time you hit refresh, it says, oh, I'm going to refresh this table. Ah, I see it has an incremental refresh policy. And therefore, because I have the incremental refresh policy set up, I now need to go make partitions. So what it does is it says, I'm going to go make the partitions. The partitions are then created for your policy, either by month or by day, however you set it up. And then it goes through and then it goes, like Seth said, it goes beast mode on your data source system. And it says it runs as many queries as it can. Each core gets a separate query and it will run 10 queries at your source system. So it's going to try and get data out as fast as it can. So you better be prepared because if you have a lot of big tables and a lot of data coming out, it could be running multiple queries by month to load millions of records out of your source system. Let IT so, know and do so, it at night. Well, so here, here's a couple, here's a, here's a tip, right? Especially for, for volume, if you're doing this for volumes of data, right? Yes. One, one of the things, Mike, that's interesting is like when I publish my model, like the data set just automatically kicks off a refresh after I've finished the publish. So it, it'll automatically create the partitions, I guess, behind the scenes. But yes, it, it needs to refresh in this in set. Hmm? For the source for the sources that are set up for incremental refresh, um, what we've done is limit the data. And whether that's by, you know, some uh, company or product, something that spans, you know, the partitions or or like limits the data set will will help that initial load go much faster right because yes. you're already going to consume a bunch of time creating partitions on the back end but if you're only loading one percent of the data with those partitions you're you're much better off uh because then if you have advanced <laughs> incremental refresh then you can go in ssms and then load those partitions to two three four at a time because the volumes are going to be so high you're gonna you're gonna peg your system like it's yep. gonna you're, you're you're gonna it's gonna it's gonna take a while yep um and and there's timeout so too just, right just to, so if you ahead. if you yeah with seth's point too right power bi will time out after a certain amount of time if you're so this is this is why this is important if you trigger yeah. this if you trigger so again you publish the report to the service it's going to have one partition in it and so what seth says is if you hit refresh now to kind of load up the data right and so what seth is talking about is in your SQL views or in a view, you can actually cut the data to a much smaller amount. Now, what I found out is if you have the XML endpoint and tabular editor three, it probably works in two, I haven't checked it in two, but you can go to the table and you can say, oh shoot, I'm forgetting the name of the setting. There's something like uh, yeah. apply incremental policy. And what that does is it 
applies a policy to the table, it makes the partitions but does not load the data. And if you so hit, pre, you can pre-make the partitions without loading data. So that's really, so I found that one to be very helpful because what I could, to your point, Seth, exactly, right? I have a table with uh, 60 million records in it and I need to load a lot of data over time, right? If I just hit publish and then refresh, it's gonna eat all 60 million data. My SQL server was falling over in the back end because I was killing it too fast. So what I had to do instead was go publish the model Go to tabular editor, say make the partitions, which makes so, all the partitions for me, and then I could go back to SSMS and then slowly yeah. refresh the partitions like five at a time. Because now I could take a metered approach. And Gilbert at Formu has a really good blog around he made an Excel document that you can go use, which will then script out what you need in three or four partition increments. So basically you write out all the partitions you need to build. Yeah it will then automatically go through and build them for you and it will do it four at a time. So we'll just kind of stack them up and automatically go through. It's huge. I, I love how you have gone from like so much under the business straight into the enterprise. Oh, uh, dude, I'm like, right? I'm all in now. You, like tabular editor gives you access to the tabular model that oh, you had huge. before, right? Where yeah. you had to manually create all these partitions in, yep. the, in the way you're describing. Yep. The fantastic part about Power BI is like, it's just like, hey, click a few buttons and throw this thing and right. I'll take care of it for you. Yeah. Right? But but under the covers, yeah, it, that's what it's doing. Yeah. Right? So like, <laughs> to triage and, and figure out and do these things. Um, super helpful. You, you, it, it is super helpful. There, there was a comment earlier. And I don't want to derail back into licensing, but I do believe that's okay. the advanced incremental refresh is premium only because it requires the capacity. So it's not going to work for PPU. PPU is feature only, and I think you need. I think you need. The full I premium. No, I think now, it, I. I have a PPU. Wrong, but, but I have in a, my mind. I have a PPU though, running right now be, with incremental refresh. This, this would be. You get this it. Would be one of those distinctions. I I would say would have been a great place to make that because yes, correct. It is it is on the capacity on the back end correct. that you're technically rolling with. But I guess if they if they I guess if they it's, have it working with Pro, it's already working. Correct. It's just a visibility thing. Yes. So maybe that's where it goes into like it's a feature. Yes, maybe. It's interesting to me though. Yeah. So so I'm right I, now. I have a pre premium per user workspace for a client where we're doing this. We're doing incremental refresh on it, and I can see the XML endpoint. You do it in PPU, and I do it in premium per user. Yes, correct. Mm. Well, I mean, if gold is I pro, stand, then this has to be stand correctly. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, you, you don't you don't get visibility, right? So it, it you don't get the visibility to the endpoint because you're because you're with no sure you on do. pro yeah. oh, on yeah, premium yeah, yeah. premium no, per no, user. You get vis the, visibility to the endpoint. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's you get, you get a full XMLA endpoint when you're on premium per user. So you can. So mm -hmm. another thing to yeah. check out here. Too, so okay, okay. That's crazy. Then. I, well, here we go. Let's let's blow your minds. Okay. So please do. <laughs> I think I think this is this is cool, because when you start linking up resource groups or workspaces to the Azure resource group. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to propose a situation. You haven't done the exact right, test on this. We're, now we're here we go. We're speculating speculation speculating 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 words Michael Specul words speculation <laughs> speculation <laughs> spackling. Uh, so spackling. spackling. Let me spackle for you. <laughs> so I'm getting excited now. I'm sorry. Um this is where things get really interesting to me. You could actually have a premium per user workspace where you spin up a model you do the incremental refresh. You look at the endpoint. You can then hydrate all the data inside that data model. Now, 
with this feature set here is you can go into Azure, link Azure blob storage to that account, that workspace, and then you have the ability of backing up that data model. So this means you can go into a data model, you can incrementally load a lot of data, and then you can take a full backup of it, gigs of data. I'm talking models that are like, you know, 20 gigs and larger. You can take a backup of that into an ABK file, and it stores it in the blob storage. ABF, ABF sorry, ABF, thank you. And then that ABF file can be transported between Blob workspaces because every time you attach a workspace, now I don't know if this is a premium only feature in Pro, but I think you can still take a Pro account workspace and you could move that data model, that backed up data model over to the Pro workspace. And then you can restore that model from backup. Now there are limitations as far as a Pro accounts and how big the models can be, but you have the ability of taking these like larger loads in different workspaces and moving the information between different environments. So another scenario here was we built a model in test. So we're using deployment pipelines. I built a model in test. I ran that one is on a different workspace premium capacity. I can see the endpoint. I loaded up a bunch of data, made sure everything worked fine. I went over to the the pro or the the production environment, which was just a pro account because we're sharing things with other people. And I I brought the data over from test and restored from backup into pro, and I think it all worked. I, I think I was able to load more data. Now again, there's still pro limits thresholds, but yeah. like so you can so do this that. Is, so this is a little bit more of a teaser to kind of the walkthrough that Mike and I are going to put out for this because we, we vetted this, but what, what does this mean for you in incremental refresh, right? Well, mm -hmm. if you know or use incremental refresh on a large model, one of the biggest pains that you have is, oh crap, I made a core change. I need to go redeploy the model, right? And this is usually an exercise that takes anywhere from two, three, four, five, six hours, right? Depending on how large your model and how far back your partitions you need to hydrate, et cetera. So with this new functionality that allows us to back up and restore models on the lake, one, it's extremely fast. Like one of my compressed models at like 13 or 14 gig right now took like five minutes to, to back up. It takes seconds to move in, hmm. in storage and literal like a couple minutes to push into a new workspace. So the value here is we now have vetted out a way in which you can load, like do the full load behind the scenes, load up a model during your work days. Yep. And when it's done, Swoop. basically swap it with production. Yeah. So you don't have to have weekend time or late night time where if you have to refresh something, yep. you got to like walk my it, team baby is it. super thrilled because if we were doing a, a hot fix during a week, somebody was staying up till early hours of the morning, just refreshing partitions. You did that. And you were or, doing that. <laughs> well, <laughs> and or on Friday, like on weekends, right? Yeah. You need to do big things. Now you can do that all on the side. And then just using backup and restore in ADLS with your workspaces, amazingly fast. So we've we've vetted this out and proven it. So like you yeah. you you can expect a blog and video. There's more truth bombs. More, There's more truth is for sure group. coming. More truth yeah, bombs yeah. coming. I think that's March. Yeah, maybe. Group. Well, maybe I, maybe we'll we'll do it all. We'll just we'll uh, do, we'll all. do a blog, a video, and and we'll user group it. Love it. Yes, I think this Love is it. this is going to make sense. So you did actually raise a very good point though about. Like incremental refresh is awesome, but there are 
I'm not going to say threats, but there are, in a sense, what when do you, you need to be when to use it and things to be aware of. For example, I think the one, and I don't want to say issue, but the one problem is if you are making constant changes to the query, then obviously you have to refresh the whole model. So this is correct. okay. So so someone who's brought up this one. So there's a couple notes here that there's. There's some capability to handle this, and we actually didn't touch on hybrid tables. I'm gonna make a note here that we'll come back. For the average user, yeah. Let's let's talk on hybrid. Let me make a note here. Hybrid tables. We'll come back to that. We want to talk about that one too. All right, Tommy. To your point, so there's someone asked a question that said, um, "What happens when you have updated records in those historical partitions?" Right. So a couple things to note here. Right. The I'm not even saying updated records. Well, you're saying you added a column. I'm editing the queries. Well, one, you shouldn't be doing that. If you're I mean, live, you're ultimately it's the same thing. You're changing the output. Yeah, you're changing yes. the output. Yeah. So if, if something changes, so you know these partitions are not always loaded every day, right? So there's a concept of, um, you know, I've loaded data from December, right? Someone may have gone back in and updated some records from there. There is certain data sources where there's no no updates to historical records. It just kind of is what it is, and it's done. Customer master data or master product information data, that stuff updates all the time. And so how do you handle updates for those kind of things? So what I'll point out here is there's a number of really interesting patterns you can use to, to do incremental refreshing. Phil Seelingmark has a number of blogs around creative AGs, that it's like aggregation things. Um, maybe not necessarily incremental refresh, but you can glean some insight from that. So Power BI incremental refresh has a feature called up, look for updated records. So to this effect, let's say you have partitions by day from December through January. Okay. Something in January, uh, no, sorry, something in December changed, right? So that one partition for December now needs to be updated. What incremental refresh policies do is every time the partition was refreshed, it gets a date timestamp of when that partition was refreshed. So what this does is when you set up this check for updates, you need to provide a new column, typically one called updated record column, updated date. So what happens is a query will run the month of December looking for the max value of updated dates. If the max value update date is larger than the partition's last refresh date, you know the data has changed in that partition. So then Power BI says, oh, wait a minute, someone made an update to this partition Therefore, I need to go back and load the month of December. So it's still you can still use Power BI incremental refresh, but if you turn on the look for changed records or look for updated records setting, I don't know exactly the, the syntax of that. What that's technically doing is it's going back through all of your old partitions, and when you click refresh, it will make a single query to go find what is the maxed update date in every single partition. And then it does a check to say, did the update date and or the partition refresh date time, are they different? If they're different, yeah. then it knows, oh, this thing's stale, I gotta go fix it and update it. So it will detect changes to your data every single time you do refresh. If if you're tracking changes to your data in the source. And right? that's a like big that's a big if. Default. You need you need an right. updated date record and you and you need a data source that has an updated date record that is accurate, right? If you actually update data and you don't update the field called updated date, you're not gonna get the change. So so, <laughs> so just be mindful that has to be in your source system when you're talking about that. Well, but that's different than actually editing the M query though. Like if you update Dude, the you're M not query, editing M. If if you're doing incremental refresh, it should okay, be two or three steps only. That's it. You should be going to the source, you should be applying your filter, 
and that's it. You want to do everything in a view upstream. You're not you're not writing a bunch of M to do incremental refresh. And if you are, I think you're at risk for headaches, in my opinion here. And so I think that those are the kind of the segue is does everyone need to use incremental refresh? Like obviously yes. there's a lot of benefits. Yeah. I no. would say so. I'll let you guys no. already oh there you go. <laughs> no. I why think would I, everybody, why would you need to set, like setting up incremental, like we just talked about, if you have a pro in setting up incremental refresh without all of the access that you're talking about. But any, but at a any lot point. of the value that we're talking, right, is, is we can go connect to these models. We can go like, look at the partitions. We can go refresh those things. What I would say is a good next step for people who want to like increase, it depends on your model size, man, one. True. Second, I would agree with that. A good a good first step is get off default where you're just hammering all queries on a data source at the same time. And if you want to mm -hmm. increment them and execute them sequentially, you can just set a property in your PBIX. Yep. That will reduce the load on source systems. If you have long refresh times, large volume. That's of what data, I'd go for. Yeah. Then yes, incremental refresh, even on pro, would probably be a good starting point. I think you're quickly going to move into the realm of wanting the advanced, right? So mm. I don't know if that's PPU, but now you've PPU'd everybody. Yeah. At least how, how much PPUing can we say um, <laughs> versus premium, right? Yes. Where it's just it's it's much simpler to just manage that environment, and I understand it's it's more expensive. But living living in premium land, I I get to <laughs> I get to be cavalier with my words, right? So um, Joe, that's from, the progression I would do. Joe from the uh, the chats asks. What would you consider a long refresh time? I would say 15 to 30 minutes is a long refresh time. That's when we're starting to get long. And large table sizes, when I'm starting to look at this, million records or more, maybe maybe even a little bit less, maybe 500,000 or more is where I would start really seriously considering. So if that query can't hit you that data and give you that whole table at 500,000 records in less than a couple minutes, I'm, I'm probably going to start looking at what do we need to do to incremental refresh this thing? Even on incremental refresh, my refreshes are typically hours. So you got I, a lot of data. I don't. I don't think you can. To me, it's not how long it takes. To me, is are do you have a time constraint, and do you need to refresh in a time window, and are you missing that window because it's taking too long? One, and the secondary concern would be: Are you overtaxing your systems? Yes. If you're overtaxing, try sequential. If that's not going to work, then the next logical step is how do you reduce the amount of data you're pulling from that system? And increment refresh is a fantastic way to do that, mm -hmm. right? Like the owners of that database or the owner of those systems, if, especially if they're production or some other sources, are going to love the fact that you went on incremental refresh because yes. pulling 10,000 records versus the 10 million, 10 million yes. every way day better. or... I would say, yeah. If your refresh cadence is also extremely high okay. and not just daily, yep. agreed. That's another fantastic reason to get into this, and also potentially a cost, like cost Saving. discussion with your yeah. business to push you into premium because, you know, you have to work with the people who own the data. If you don't, and say, hey, would it be great if I took these five reports I have that are hammering your system every hour, and even that loadout, they would probably say absolutely. Yes, exactly right. And so I'll, a couple points here, I think from stuff in the chat here about the numbers and the refresh time. So 
I guess maybe I'm I'm tainted now a little bit because all a lot of the stuff that I'm working with, the data sets that I'm working with are larger data sets. And almost all the time I'm taking data sets that would take hours to refresh down to minutes to refresh on incremental refresh, right? That first refresh is quite long and intensive, but most of my stuff is dropping substantially in time. And I think Seth, you're talking about models that are refreshing that take hours already. You're you'd never be able to refresh that model. There would be not enough time. You'd be refreshing for the whole day if you did the whole no. table all the time. Yeah. So it's just not even feasible in your in your spectrum. Um, so I definitely I definitely think it's worthwhile exploring there. Um, let me. I don't want to transition too fast here. Any other final thoughts on this one? Because I want I have a I want to talk about hybrid tables and some kind of special case scenarios around incremental refresh too. The, you want to talk about special cases? We'll, we'll leave that one to there. Because I have I okay. have a few yeah. a few places that I haven't figured out that have gone okay. awry trying to use incremental refresh. Okay. So we can do that after your hybrid. Okay, sounds good. So let's explain hybrid tables real quick. So I'm going to transition just slightly here. Um, chat, you've been great. If there's any more questions in chat, please throw them in there. We'll try to address them as we go through here. Um, uh, so hybrid tables, what are they? What are those? I guess is what you would say. Uh, the hybrid table is really around mixing and matching multiple um, data loading types, right? So imagine you have a, now a table, right? And we have a table that has incremental refresh policy on it, but we need data that is a bit more real time. So you have this concept of, I could do direct query and direct query will give me data right now. You know, if the SQL server updates, I can click a button on the, or click a visual on the page it will automatically go back to that table and grab the latest data. So a hybrid table mixes and matches incremental refresh with the refresh policy. So every day you can schedule a refresh on it, as well as for the current day, today's date, the one that's not finished, you can direct query today's data. So what this gives you is it gives you the speed of an import from yesterday and older, and it gives you the, here's the data right now, based on the direct query. So you can actually have live data in your report. And so what will happen is it will break the query into two pieces. And if you're querying against the data model and the there's a time bound principle to it, let's imagine we have a line chart, right? On the line chart, any data points yesterday and older would come from the import portion of the table. The data points on that table for today would come from the today direct query portion of that hybrid table. So it's, it's actually mixing and matching incremental refresh and direct query together to give you a real-time look at the data, but we know the speed of the analysis services engine is in import mode, right? So if you're using direct query across a year's worth of data, your SQL Server has to be incredibly well-tuned and optimized to be able to render that data quickly enough that the report user is not like, this thing takes forever, this is junk. Now you're like in Tableau land where everything takes forever for anything to load. Well, that's one of those. That's one of those. <laughs> definite like communicate to the end user. Yes. You know, expect fast response times when you're Data's... playing in this date range. Exactly. But when you when you go outside those bounds, all bets Slower. are off, buddy. Yep. Like click click the button and come back later. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's really what the, the essence of a hybrid table is. The hybrid table is allowing you to mix and match those. And I designed a solution for a customer. So one of the downsides of hybrid tables, and I don't know if it's there yet, but we'll see what happens. Inside this hybrid mode, I believe the cutoff date, because of the partition schema that's made for the, the historical, and I got to do a little more testing on this. When you hit refresh, right, if I refresh in the morning, it's only loading full partitions yesterday and older. So today's data, as, as today, let's say I have three refreshes. 
you know, 6 a.m., noon, and 5 p.m., right? As I refresh the model, the, inc the imported tables are still yesterday and older every time you do the refresh. The direct query portion will only direct query things from today. So um, what I built for the client is actually I built two tables. I built two tables where there was an import table and a direct query table. And if you do an incremental refresh and turn on don't load full days of data, you can actually get portions of imported data d throughout your day. So you could get from you know midnight to 6 a.m. in the import table and then 6 a.m. till noon in the import table and then you could get from you know midnight till 6 5 p.m. in the import table by having this kind of technique now you can have those two tables uh, in the same data model but now you have to have like a dimension across the top of it that that lets you you know be able to aggregate two measures across it and then you have to kind of pick okay what is the time frame we're looking at and which measure should I be using because you don't want to add the measures you want to do if it's uh, if the time range is within this certain range, then go to the import table. Or the, it adds a little bit more weight to how you write your measures. But we were able to get the direct query down to hourly refreshes throughout the day. So direct query was only hitting the last hour of data. And all of the imports were happening every hour. And it was continually refreshing the current data for the day every hour. So that way, all that information was fresh, fresh and super fast. So that was kind of a, a technique I used. It's a derivation of what hybrid tables actually does for you. Out of the box, no extra coding, no fancy measures. It just works. Um, one point, I, I know we're wrapping up on time. One point I want to make that we have run into and I haven't solved for. So if anybody in the chat knows how to, that'd be great. Um, we have a scenario where whether it's two different queries or something we tried to load into a table in two different ways where in scenario one, I need seven days of refreshed partition data. And in scenario two in the same table, I need 14 days yes. of, of data I want to store in there. If you try to merge those two together into the same fact table, what ends up happening is whether it's from a source table or not, if my incremental refresh time window is only the first or second days, inevitably what happens is scenario one of seven days will still incrementally load all the way to 14 mm -hmm. right so if, if i'm not explaining myself well like essentially because partitions are historical tracking you you can't or i'm struggling with how do you maintain for one data set in the fact table a smaller partition or refresh you know, window, because when you're talking about volumes of data, you have to, you, I, I'm trying to keep the size of that fact table limited down to a, a certain size. And there's only certain scenarios where I want a, a longer tail on that, that history. Yep. Now, the only way that um, I think this is going to work is we're just going to have to refresh, like kick off an automated refresh of that single partition a partition yeah right so yeah. that it goes from the higher volume down to the lower one because i don't want that long tail on all my data i want it to be trimmed off and i don't i don't i don't have a solution for that yet but yeah it is something to point out that if you have different time windows that you would need for partitions like straight out of the box like you're gonna have some issues here to figure out as it relates to those tails starting to just continually load um as you're only incrementally or incrementally refreshing the one or two days 
So there, there is a, so to your point exactly, I think you've got the right solution already on there. Um, I believe you can uh, refresh a Power BI data set in Azure using Azure Data Factory. And so there is a way to, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're going down that path. That's, that's the path certainly. you go down. So, so you basically the, make a you make an, a a data factory call that's a web call and you say yep. so what they so it's, what it's was, probably going to be an Azure function or something where yeah you're executing no you're executing it's just an API a, call I believe a SQL you know TSML script correct yes that basically says yes hey go refresh this or you know kick off a refresh one right because you could also do that yes uh, which we're planning on doing and then on the tail of that go behind the scenes refresh my my eighth or whatever day partition. And I'm pretty sure that it's in the Microsoft blog. It's the one and call it announcing on-demand loading capabilities for large models in Power BI. I think that's what they're talking about there. And I think what happened is there's been an API that's explicitly opened up in the Power BI APIs. You would say, refresh this data set. You say, call that data set. And what you can do is you can actually set in there as the body of the API call, the TSML script that will automatically run the single partition that you need to load. So I think you have the ability of being able to dynamically call out that partition. So you'd need something in your process that kind of does like a, hey, all my normal stuff happens. We've just refreshed the model. Oh, and by the way, we need one extra action at the end of our pipeline that says, oh, by the way, go refresh partition number eight. And that should just automatically yeah. happen. I don't think you need a function, though. I think it's just an API call now. Okay. So I, think, link, I think that's the documentation. I think, I think, I think we got a hard stop here. Yeah. So. Um... All right, so I think we've talked about almost everything here. Um, one thing I'll just last one I want to note here for another tip or trick from Mike. Um, if you <laughs> if you do if you're doing this kind of stuff, if you want to see what's happening, there's actually a sequence by which the the SQL Server or the 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 analysis services is doing a refresh cycle. You want to get your hands on SQL Server Profiler, and so uh, there's a good blog out by um, Phil Seamark that talks about how do you can connect SQL Server Profiler to the cube, and you can turn on a trace. You don't want to do this all the time because it's very expensive on the server to have this trace spitting out information to you, but it gave me a really good picture because when an incremental refresh happens, there's actually a sequence. It starts by making a backup first. It makes a timestamp. Here's a backup of the model in case it needs to roll back. Then it starts to attempt to refresh partitions and do refreshing. It goes through all the process of loading your partitions and then if it completes, you'll see these commands called commit. It commits those changes back to the data model. And only after it commits the changes back, does it actually pull your incremental refresh things into your actual model. So essentially, you have a model up and running. And while the incremental refresh is happening, it's doing something internally in the memory of that machine that is not exposed to the, the reports. It's not there. So it's basically loading a portion of your data model in it's duplicating stuff and then once it's done, it's kind of merging those changes back into your partition schema. So it's pretty cool. I think it's really neat. I'd also highly recommend uh, doing some SQL Server Profiler, and I'll try and drop out some links here. So here is the link, uh, the link for the API refresh. That's the uh, the new. It's on large data sets, and then I'm going to try and snag the one here, um, Phil Seamark and his link for um, the. SQL, SQL Server Profiler. SQL Server Profiler. All right. We've done it again. We've we've burned another full hour here. I could talk more on this one. Obviously, this needs to be a user group, a, a, a lesson, yes. a, a something online. There's so much to... 
I've learned so much in this space in the last month and a half. It's incredible. There's there's so much bursting that, with information. There's no one talking about bursting, it. Yeah. There's no information on it. There's no one has good blogs or any kind of content around what is incremental refresh and how do you do stuff with it. So I think I'm gonna have to put tulip a little series here around that to kind of get some more people information about it. Um, but with that, we want to say thank you all for participating. We really appreciate your um, your your participation. Blah, blah, blah participation in the chat that was great questions uh was very helpful to help steer the conversation today so thank you all very much we hope you learned a couple neat nuggets here around incremental refresh um i really like these deep deep technical dive things this is this this is what i like to talk about uh you know. anyways i know our only our <laughs> that's only... why we don't do them as much because <laughs> <laughs> we'll always go over uh so thank you all very much our only ask is if you found value from this if you're working with incremental refresh Hopefully there's a couple nuggets in here to, to help you remove some gaps or some hurdles you're going to find. You're going to run into these things. Hopefully we gave you some techniques or tricks around this to make it easier for you to use these things. Please share this with somebody else if you liked it uh, and help them uh, learn a little bit more about what they're doing as well. All right, Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find the podcast any, anywhere they're available on Apple and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating. If you're listening to the podcast right now, make sure to watch our uh live events if you can every tuesday and thursday 7 30 a.m central all right with that thank you all very much and we will see you next week on tuesday cheers everyone